Okay. I think we're ready to get going. Uh, appreciate folks being here. Appreciate those of you who are listening in um, on um, how we're streaming this on the interwebs. Glad you're listening in. and You're with us for the, our last night of real life, big questions. I think next year we're going to call it real life hard questions That's because that's really more what it is. It was hard both uh, putting something together and it was hard or convicting um, listening to some of the messages this week. So at any rate, our question tonight what we're going to talk about is, does it really matter where I go to church? Does it really matter, or toward it another way, uh, how do you know where to go to church? You can ask it um, similar or different ways, or similar ways. So at any rate, let's pray real quick, and then we'll get going. Lord, we love you, and uh, ask that you'd be with us tonight. Lord, we want to honor you and worship you through, um, Lord, talking about you and reading your word and uh, encouraging one another in that, and I pray that that's what would happen tonight, Lord, that we would worship you in spirit and truth, and you'd be glorified, Lord. <clears throat> ask us in your name. Amen. So on the topic, does it really matter where I go to church, or how do you know where to go to church? Um, over the last few weeks, as I was uh, gathering my thoughts together on this, I thought, well, it'd kind of be fun just to ask people, uh, hey, how do you, here's a question for you, how do you know what a good church looks like, or how do you, does it matter where you go? And um, I found that if you ask ten people, you'll get ten different answers. Uh, so <clears throat> that was interesting. A couple of those, um, <clears throat> as an example, uh, are you want to look find a church that's really friendly, or want to find a church with people in a, a similar stage of life as you, or uh, want to find people who or find a church with a, a a lot of activities, a big youth program, uh, especially something for the kids. You want something for the kids. Or um, I had a couple folks say, well, the, the, the church structure, the way it's organized is really important. Or the preaching, making sure, you, I heard people tell me, oh, it's, it's uh, good to preach the Word of God. You need to look for a church that preaches that. I had others say, oh, well, you need a church with small groups. So I'm not, uh, for a minute, condemning any of those. I think some of those uh, we just went through are good and uh, good things. I think having a, a church that uh, is set up in a biblical way is is healthy and good. I think um, going to a church that's friendly is obviously a plus. You don't want to go to an unfriendly group of people. I would argue that if they're unfriendly, they, they probably don't know Jesus. Uh, they don't have the, the joy we have in Jesus. <clears throat> But what I want to point out is that there's a, those aren't necessarily friendliness or uh, finding people who are similar to you or in a similar stage of life or a focus on small groups. That isn't necessarily what we want to focus on. It's not, it's not a clear sign of, of a healthy church. Um, to, to give an illustration of that, we had a brother in Christ preach here several years ago. I won't say his name in case I'm uh, jacking up his uh, quote. His, his sermon, but basically he said, if I had uh, two glasses of water, two glasses up here of liquid, clear liquid, one was of water and one with battery acid, and I said, well, go ahead and drink either one of them. You know, they're both clear, they both have a few bubbles in them. Uh, if you're really thirsty and you don't know the difference, maybe they both look refreshing from the outside. But similar to that, I would I would make a point that uh, similar to the glass of water being healthy and, and refreshing and maybe you could, could even say life-giving, 
um, it's that's similar to a good healthy church. And on the other side of that, uh, if you drink battery acid, uh, it's an extreme example, but it's going to be unhealthy to put it mildly. It's 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 going to hurt, and it's going to be hard. It's going to be bad for your health, uh, or deadly. Um, similar to an unhealthy church, if a church isn't biblical, if if uh, it's not founded on the Word of God. There can be some issues there. So, uh, like any good engineer, I love outlines and spreadsheets. So, my outline tonight, there's three key points I want to talk about um, on some considerations, things to look for in a healthy church. The first one being expository preaching. And I know that's a $20 word, and we'll talk about that in a minute, what that means. You want to find a church that has expository preaching. We'll talk about that. The second being, I want to find a church with biblical theology and biblical gospel message. I, I, we really should separate those, but for the sake of uh, trying to cram all this together, we're, we're putting them together. So biblical theology and gospel. And then third is a biblical understanding of salvation or conversion. What does true salvation look like? Uh, if you've been with us this week and paying any attention, you might notice that... Uh, those points providentially align with a lot of the topics we've already covered this week. Um, Jared talked about um, who is God. That that ties into theology. Theology is, is basically just what we believe about. It's a study of God and what we believe about Him. Um, uh, you've heard some expository preaching this week. There's also been some... Um, some topics we're specifically covering, but but we've been explaining the Word of God. Um, and then uh, just last night, Ben did a great job at, uh, going through how do you know what does genuine salvation looks like? What are some genuine signs of salvation? So uh, that wasn't planned, but providentially, uh, this is this is almost a summary of the last few nights. So, what on earth is expository preaching? It's a fancy word. Very simply put. Expository preaching is explaining the meaning of the text in its historical and grammatical context. Uh, it's ex- expository. It's not a word. It's unique to Christianity or the Bible. It it just means explaining what the text means. To put it in plain old Lacey Spring English, it's explaining what the text means. Historical, obviously, is important. The Bible was written roughly two thousand to thirty-five hundred years ago. Is a little bit different than it is now. So it's it's when we're reading the Bible in particular, it's um, critical to understand who was the author, who was the intended, the recipient of the the letter, if it were in the New Testament, or um, some of the prophecies or, or uh, uh, historical accounts we have in the Old Testament. But it's critical. Um, you need to know what was going on in in uh, the situation with the the author and the intended readers. Grammar, uh, I'm not the English teacher, my wife is, and um, but grammar is basically, basically just the way we arrange words to make a complete or proper sentence. That all it, it's all it amounts to. You got your nouns and your verbs and a uh, bunch of other stuff I won't worry with tonight, but um, it, you know we, we under, want to understand um, who the passage is talking about and what they're doing, basically. What's the message that it's telling us? Just a very simple example of that is um, his, if any of us, maybe even today or this week, had anything you said taken out of context. Have, have you sent a, an email 
if you called somebody or is something you said been told to somebody else and then they took it out of context well it's aggravating and and it's 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 wrong it's important to understand the context of something that's being said so that's why expository preaching in a church is so important we it's critical that we understand God's intended meaning what is the Lord telling us through his word and how does it apply to our lives I want to take us through uh, several passages of scripture that that I think just explains that crystal clear um, this 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 idea this this truth that we need to hear expository preaching or teaching just a word it put it in another word just teaching actually teaching the word of God and what it means um, my little boy right now is, is three and my wife Catherine has been teaching him some scripture already if you can't tell I'm proud and uh, one of them that he has learned so far is in Psalm 119 it says your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path as I was as I was studying this I thought what a what a great passage to, to point to expository preaching and, and t- learning, teaching the Word of God in church. Um, if the Word of God is meant to be uh, a lamp into our feet, it's, it's shining down to show us where we're walking and what's going on and a light into our path. If you're in a church and they're not teaching the Word of God, if they're not laboring to teach you what it means, what the Word of God means, I'm not talking about motivation i'm not talking about um uh, 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 you know these kind of motivational uh what could you say sermonettes for christianettes i mean learning what it means how on earth are you going to know where to go that's just an illustration if if the word is meant to be a light into our path and we don't understand what it means it's going to be hard to find your way um to to righteousness and christ likeness um we're just thinking about that um is my, I hear my little boy uh, saying those passages. Another is, uh, in this next verse, we could have spent our whole time on. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. We could have, we could have stayed right there all night on how do you know what a good church looks like or does it matter where you go. Um, so so four little uh, uh Subpoints there, I guess. Um, things to look for in a healthy church. One would be devotion to teaching God's word. Notice it didn't just say um, what it said. Devotion. It's it's some seriousness there. Uh, I think that's what devotion is pointing to. It talks about fellowship. That's the the church, the people of God getting together and loving on one another and uh, encouraging one another, um, helping each other out. I think that's the fellowship. Breaking of bread is referring to the Lord's Supper or communion. Um, it's a wonderful sign. A church, uh, a good biblical church should be regularly practicing and participating in the Lord's Supper uh, to remember his His blood and body, that uh, Jesus' blood and body that was shed for us. And then prayer. You want a church that, that's praying together, getting together and praying. But, but again, the emphasis on expository preaching they were continually devoting themselves. There was a devotion to the Word of God and the teaching it. A few chapters later, in Acts chapter 5, um, really thought this was, was a great passage. Uh, the, the context here, to make sure we've got the context right, the, uh, uh, Jesus uh, 
uh, and actually in the previous verse in Acts chapter 2, and this, this next one is in Acts chapter 5, we have where Jesus at this point in, in history, Jesus had already died, he had already risen from the grave, um, and now he left left things with the apostles, so to speak, and the apostles were um, organizing the church and proclaiming the gospel, teaching, devoting themselves to teaching. And so at this point, um, the the apostles had, had been arrested, been called before the, the Jewish council, and uh, were ult- ultimately uh, in trouble. And so um, in Acts chapter 5, verses 40 and 42, it says, And after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then released them. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple, from house to house, they kept on teaching and preaching Jesus Christ. The emphasis there is they had just been beaten, arrested and beaten, threatened. Their very lives were at risk. They just kept rolling. The, the, the teaching of the Word of God and proclaiming, explaining that Jesus really is the Christ, it's such a big deal. The apostles were willing to give their lives for it. And ultimately, as, as history tells us, they did. Um, it's a big deal. Um, next few passages, If uh, um, skipping ahead to the books of Titus, and First and Second Timothy, the the context here is where Paul, the Apostle Paul, is um, he's got a couple young pastors under his care. Uh, one is Titus, and the other is Timothy, and he's left them in certain areas, and and he's he's checking in on them. He sends them these letters to check in on them and give them some encouragement and and some direct direction. Um, so in Paul's letter to Titus, he's given Titus some very specific instructions about what to look for in biblical elders or spirit, the spiritual leaders of the church. Here's some things you look for, and we're not going to exhaust those, but one of, the, one of the big ones here is it says in Titus 1.9, He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So one of the main um, things for... A spiritual leader of a church, a, a preacher, an elder, is to faithfully give instruction on sound doctrine, uh, uh, teaching Christ, explaining that Jesus is the Christ. Um, Paul's letter to Timothy, First um, Timothy chapter four, verse thirteen, he says, "Timothy, until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching." So, Timothy, I'm going to come. I'm going to give you some, maybe some more specific uh, instructions when I get there, and we're going to fellowship one another. But until I get there, there's what you focus on. Focus on public reading of Scripture, reading it and explaining it, teaching it to the, to the church. And you say, well, what about all of, maybe you're asking, well, that's fine and well, but what about the passages that are difficult, those that... Maybe we don't really understand, or maybe we know there's some conflict about. Maybe it's 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 uh, divisive. Uh, people say doctrine divides. What about those? Should we just, you know, should we just skip over those? Uh, what do we do with those? Well, Paul again tells Timothy, um, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. All of it's good. Don't skip any of it. That's the message here. That's the message that uh, you know 
that Paul's given Timothy, and it's something we should look for in a church. We want to hear the whole counsel of God, even if it's if it's convicting, especially if it's convicting. Again, Paul speaking to Timothy in Second Timothy, he says, "I solemnly charge you in the presence of God." and of Christ Jesus, who is able to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth, and will turn aside to myths. There was a lot going on in that. I want to break down that passage into two key areas. Paul's telling Timothy, Timothy, in the first part, he says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. He says, Timothy, this teaching the word of God thing, it's a big deal. Focus on it. Focus on it. Spend your time. Be ready all the time with all steadfastness and patience. This is your role, Timothy. This is what you're to focus on. Again, emphasis on looking for a church, uh, a good, healthy church, explains and teaches the Word of God. second part of that, I want to talk about having your ears tickled. What's going on there? Um, and accumulating for yourself teachings, teachers in accordance with your own desires. What, what is that talking about? What occurred to me since we're talking about how, churches and how do you know where to go and that kind of thing. Have you ever, uh, for those of you listening, have you ever um, uh, in conversation told someone, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of trying out some churches. You know, maybe they ask you, well, where are you going to church? Well, they say, well, I'm kind of trying out, you know, oh, such and such down the road. I hear they've got a, a new pastor that's really funny. Or, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm trying out this other one over here. Or I'm trying out this one. Or, you know, I've been trying them out for a while. Well, I'm not saying you have to use that terminology, but if you're just if you just float around from church to church and you're just trying them on like a different pairs of blue jeans, are you looking to have your ears tickled? Are you just going around waiting trying to find somebody who aligns with your with what you want to hear, somebody to tickle your ears, kind of make you feel good? Um, uh, what comes to mind there is if uh, uh, maybe you're uh, an outdoorsman. You love to hunt and fish and, and camp. And you say, you know what, I really want to go to the, I heard there's an outdoorsman church. I'd really like to go there. You know, I think there's people like me there. Uh, I think we probably think pretty similar. Um, you know, we can go in there with, with uh, boots if we want to, you know, hiking boots or whatever. I think that's where I want to go. Or maybe maybe you think you're a cowboy. You like to wear your Wranglers and, and Stetson. And you say, I want to try the cowboy church. I'm going to try that for a while. I think I really align with those people. I just want to ask you, are you looking for a church? Are you looking for teaching to tickle your ears? Is that what you're doing? We're going to transition at this point to our second point, um, talking about looking for a church and how do you know what are some signs of a good church, that being uh, biblical theology and, and biblical gospel message. But to get us there, I wanted to tell a quick story. Uh, a couple years ago, I was, was uh, doing something uh, outside with a, with a friend of mine, and I knew that he uh, believed differently than, than me about 
God. He had a he had a different theology. He believed differently than I do about God, and and he had a a different belief in Christ and why Christ had to come and what he did here and and why we need him so desperately. And so, um, providentially, I had an opportunity to explain what I believe to be a biblical theology to him, uh, things the Bible says about God and explains about him, and um, take him through the, what I what I hold to the gospel, what I believe is a biblical gospel message. And I'll never forget, it's truly one of the saddest, and this is no exaggeration, it's one of the saddest things I've ever heard. He looked at me, didn't I, and he said, my God's better than that. It was scary. My my friend, I'm convinced he broke first and second commandment uh, in Exodus chapter 20. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water beneath the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. It's a big deal what a church teaches about God. It's 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 a gargantuan deal, um, gargantuan deal. If if a church is straying away from a biblical theology on who God is, uh, uh, you know what He's done for us and Jesus, it's a big deal. So what is theology? Just to to explain it a little more, I think I mentioned it a moment ago. Theology is another kind of uh, a churchy term, it's the study of God and what we believe about Him. Uh, a well-known pastor some years ago wrote a book, Everyone's a Theologian. I think that's what it was titled, R.C. Sproul. And it's so true because we all have a belief. Even if you don't believe in God, well, you have a theology. Maybe it's, I would argue it's it's a bad one, but uh, but you have a theology. So that's all the, theology is. So, um we're just going to barely scratch the surface, Not I wouldn't even call it that, uh, of of a few points of theology. Um, for those of you listening, I would encourage you to uh, to, to go on our website, uh, gracecovenantbc.org, and uh, one of the sermons earlier this week was, Who is God? Uh, uh, Jared preached that for us. And so I want to hit on a few key things here to look for that, that a church should... Uh, should hold to about who God is. The first one being, God is creating. We have a creator God. In Genesis it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. A few verses later he says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Not only did God create the heavens and the earth, it did not happen by some random molecules bumping into each other. God created the heavens and the earth. He also made us, me and you, he made man in his own image. Um, God's a creating God. God's also holy. One of the, the most awe-inspiring scriptures I can think of, and one of the most in scripture is in Isaiah chapter 6 in the Old Old Testament. The, the context here is the prophet Isaiah. He's standing before uh, God in a vision, and he sees these angelic beings, and just this just unbelievable scene this majestic scene and he says and he's talking about the angelic beings here and he says and one called out to the other and said holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory lord the lord is perfectly holy sinless totally righteous in every way the lord's also sovereign 
Um, the other verse my little boy's learning um, fit nicely here providentially. Uh, in Psalm chapter 24, it says, The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. The Lord's sovereign over everything. The, the earth is His, the universe is His, the galaxies beyond that. It's all His. He created it. We are His the possessions that he allows us to, to use, the homes we live in, those are his. Um, everything's his. The Lord's also loving. And, and uh, again, in one of the Psalms, uh, I love this passage. It says, For his loving kindness is everlasting. What an amazing truth. The Lord's also faith, faithful and patient. In Exodus we read, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. The Lord's so faithful. Uh, it talks about here, uh, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. And then the next thing is the Lord's just. Uh, the Lord's perfectly just. It says there, notice the last part that I just I just read from uh, Exodus 34. It says, Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. The Lord's perfectly just. If if uh, if someone's not sure what we mean by that, just and justice, just think about. I know Clark gave this example earlier in the week. If if uh, axe murderer is standing before a judge, a earthly judge in a courthouse, and he lets him go, well, there'd be an outrage. It, w- it would be unjust for that judge to let this criminal go, this axe murderer go. Similar to that, uh, the Lord, because of those attributes we just talked about, who God is, because he's perfectly holy, sinless, perfectly righteous, it would, the Lord is perfectly just. So how does that apply to us? Well, the problem is the Lord's perfectly holy and we're not. That's where we get into trouble. Romans uh, chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's a boundary there. There's a separation between us and God. Just a couple verses later in, uh, uh, in uh, Romans chapter 3, it talks about God being just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So we're starting to make a connection here. The Lord is just, yep, he's holy, yep, um, perfectly righteous, yep, he's sovereign, he's all these things. We're not, that's, that's, the, that's the problem for us. But it says, not only is he just, but he's also the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So I want to transition at this point to, we just talked a little bit about theology, some things to look for in a church. So what about a biblical gospel message uh, or biblical gospel? Um, again, I'm going to hit on some high points here, but I encourage you to listen to a message uh, Clark preached um, Sunday night as part of the same series, What is the Gospel? That's pretty clear. I would encourage you to, to listen to that if, if you're with us tonight. The Lord is just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Lord is perfectly holy. Um, Romans 1 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. 
again, we're in trouble. So what hope do we have? Again, I'm in the book of Romans. In Romans 5, 8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's where the hope comes in. Reading in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. Again, there's a but God. We're in trouble, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So a true gospel is God is holy. We're not. We've fallen short of his glory. But God, who's rich in mercy, even when we were dead, spiritually dead in our transgressions and sins, he can make us alive with Christ. By grace you've been saved. Grace meaning you didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. It's unmerited favor the Lord gives us. Then the last line, Therefore by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift to God. Even when the Lord grants us salvation to, to believe in Jesus, to believe that Jesus really is the Son of God. He really did come to earth, was born of a virgin, live a perfect, sinless life, perfectly obeyed God's commands, ultimately was abandoned by his own people, by the Jewish people. They murdered him, was hung on the cross. On that cross bore the full wrath of God um, that, 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 by the way, he didn't deserve, that that was mine and your sin that he was paying for. Um, buried, rose again three days later um, to prove that God accepted that sacrifice and he's, he's with God uh, with all things under his control today. Even that faith, when the Lord gives us faith to believe that, it's a gift. Here we read, it's a gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. There's nothing we can do to earn our own righteousness. It's a gift of God. So how do we respond? In Acts uh, chapter 17, verse 30, we read, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he is fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. The Lord gives us faith, our response in a biblical gospel message. Again, we're talking about a church. To look for in a church is that um, the Lord gives us faith. We're to put our faith in Jesus Run to Him is, is our Savior, not rest on anything we've done. And he also here in Acts talks about repentance. Repentance is just a change of mind and direction. If we're headed, headed this way toward the things of the world and sin and selfishness and, and lust or whatever, it's a change of mind and change of direction to, to turn from that and to turn toward Jesus and, and the things of God and righteousness and to obey his commands and love him. Romans chapter 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So we run to Jesus. Our response to that, our response to the gospel truth is to repent, change directions, and put our faith in Jesus and run toward him. Another part of that I don't want us to forget is, uh, or to skip over in Romans chapter 10. It says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. Another key piece of that is it's not just a, a, a mental belief. that Oh, yeah, I believe, I believe in Jesus. I believe he really died. And, you know, I'm kind of working on getting better. I'm working on myself, working on, uh, you know, going to church and reading my Bible no, more. No, it talks about confessing with your mouth Jesus is Lord. Lord meaning king or master. We're to, to our response to the gospel message and believe in Jesus is to 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 see Jesus as our Lord and King. The Bible even goes so far as as uh, calling uh, Christians um, uh, bond servants of Christ. It can also be translated slaves, slaves of God. We're His slaves. He's our King. We're His slaves. Um, but at the same time, when we're redeemed. He calls us joint heirs with Christ. Um, but but the, the point I want us to focus on there, when we turn to Jesus, we need to recognize him as our Lord. He is our master. Well, when you have a master, what do you do? You obey him. You obey him. One more point on that, the, the lordship. I think it's so critical, uh, and it's, it's something... Uh, that we want to hear from churches. In Philippians, we read, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The point there is, if we don't turn to Christ now in faith and repent of this world and recognize Jesus as our Lord. It's not that you make Him your Lord. No, He is. So the options are we either recognize Him and obey Him as our Lord and King now when He's given us a chance to run to Him in faith and embrace Jesus as our Savior and put our trust and faith in Him. If we don't do that now, one day... You're gonna, you're, your knees are going to bow anyways. It says, if one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Whether you like it or not, he is, he is our Lord. The third point is I want to make, and we're wrapping up here, is you want to find a church that has a biblical understanding of conversion. I'm going to read a passage. I encourage you to, to turn with me here. We'll spend a little bit of time. It's in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 27. Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 27. It says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house. And it fell, and great was its fall. We could spend a long time in here, but... Uh, if if you didn't catch all that, I urge you go back and read it. We're in Acts chapter, or excuse me, Matthew chapter seven, verses fifteen through twenty-seven. But a few questions I want to leave you with: Are you a good tree producing good fruit, or a bad tree producing bad fruit? Is there, if you look at your life, a biblical view? Of, uh, we're talking here a biblical understanding of salvation and. And uh, just as similar, very same thing that Ben was preaching on last night. How do you know? What kind of, you know, what's the right view of salvation you should be looking for in a church? Are you a tr- good tree producing good fruit? For those that are redeemed, there's going to be evidence. There's going to be fruit in their life, spiritual fruit. The Bible even calls it fruit of the Spirit, meaning the, the Spirit of God allowing them to, to do good things and please the Lord, fruit of the Spirit, there's going to be evidence. Um, those good deeds, uh, the, the studying the Word of God and, and um, helping people and um, witnessing to them, um, helping those in need, uh, um, those don't earn your salvation. It's just a sign there's something really there. So, so just as, as some of the things Ben mentioned last night, if you think about yourself, are you? Do you see a concern for other souls? If you claim to be a Christian, when's the last time you thought, "Oh my goodness, I wonder if, I wonder if Bob, my coworker Bob, I wonder if he's redeemed, or or my neighbor, you know, Sally and Mike, I wonder, I wonder where they stand before the Lord." Um, do you see in your own life a decreasing pattern of sin? Do you do you ever open up God's Word and read it? You think about a relationship, the, the Lord does call us to have a relationship with Him. If if the Word of God, the Bible, is where God tells us about Himself, if we never read and study, go back to the expositional preaching part and, and studying His Word, if we don't study, there's not much of a relationship there. If you never read His Word, that's like you know getting married and never talking to your spouse. You don't, you don't ask her any questions. You don't love on her. You don't, you don't try to get to know her. There's not much of a relationship there. Some questions I encourage you to, to ask yourself. And there's, there's a lot more to that. Again, um, I encourage you to listen to the message from last night. To word it another way, again, from this same, this same passage, is your life built on a rock or is it built on sand? When you're standing before God in judgment, just as we see in this passage here, you know, there's, these people are standing before God, and they say, "Oh Lord, Lord, um, you know, didn't we prophesy in Your name and do all this religious stuff? 
you know, these were the religious people he's talking to here. He says, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. He said, I never knew you. You're not, you're not my children. Um, so when we're standing before God, I just, just, I just encourage you, I urge you to ask yourself the question. If you're standing before the Lord, are you on rock or sand? Are you going to trust in your own deeds, your own self-righteousness, Maybe that oh yeah my you know my my dad was a pastor and you know we we go to church you know we we go there but there's no if there's no fruit in your life I urge you think about that think about where you stand before the Lord um, and we're standing before Him in judgment will you stand or fall that last few words there is is heavy it, it literally gives me a heavy feeling where it says. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So I just want to encourage you in that. Um, and and I, to be honest with you, yes, I wanted to answer tonight this question, how do you know what church to go to, or does it really matter? So to summarize, yeah, it matters. I would encourage you that it matters. And, and, um, and these, I think, are some... Uh, some good points to think about, but um, make no bones about it. I, I am here to urge you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Um, one of my favorite passages, I want to share that with you in Second Corinthians chapter 5. It says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So, I'm confident the Lord redeemed me years ago, and I would I would have the honor to, to, I think I'm an ambassador for Christ. And I just want to appeal to you now, crystal clear, I appeal to you and I beg you on behalf of Christ, if you don't know Him, if you have no spiritual fruit in your life, if you don't give a rip about your lost neighbor, if you don't see a decreasing pattern of sin in your life, if you don't have any evidence, if you've never cracked open the Word of God to get to know who your king and master is, to know his commandments where you at least can obey them, and if you don't study his Word to hopefully uh, shine the light of God as a lamp under your feet and a light under your path, I beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to him. And it goes on, it says, He made him, God made Christ who knew no sin, to be, to be sin on our behalf so that we might have the righteousness of God in Him. God took His very own Son. He's perfect in every way. He had committed no crime. He placed our sin onto Him, and He punished Him for it. And then if we, if we would just put our faith in Him, repent of the things of this world, recognize that the Lord, that, that God, Jesus is our Lord, He will give us the very righteousness of God. It says that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. There's this amazing transfer when the Lord redeems us where He takes our sin off of us and puts His own righteousness onto us. So I want to encourage you in that. Uh, we're really thankful that if you've listened in, um, I encourage you to, to uh, listen to the other passages from this week. Um, this is kind of a summary of some of those um, uh, attempting to answer does it really matter where I go to church but um, that's all we have tonight let's pray real quick Lord we love you and um, 
Lord, we trust that your word will not come back, um, Lord, without causing an effect. And so just beg of you, Lord, that your word that we heard tonight and that I've tried to explain and tried to urge folks to, to listen to, and um, Lord, that it would that your spirit would move and work through that. Pray that, Lord, you would grant salvation for any that's listening that doesn't know you. We beg of you to do that, Lord, not for your own glory. Pray that you do that, Father. I ask all this in your name. Amen. We're dismissed.